as you understand that dynamic, as you understand, and the dynamic as a reminder is you underprice and you overdeliver, so your profit just goes poof. And when you understand that dynamic, you can take steps to beat that effect and also build your own confidence so that when you're communicating, you, first of all, feel less stress, less anxiety. You are not only confident that you're talking to the right person, the right buyer, but you're confident about what you want to share with them and how you want to help them understand the value that you bring. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for experts who want to be the unapologetic leader in their industry. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life, inside and out. It's time to take your influence, income, and impact to the level you know you're capable of. Are you ready to make a bigger difference and scale up? This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. Very excited because today we're talking about pricing, we're talking about revenue, and we're going to absolutely banish some of those revenue blocks that you have that may be plaguing you in your business right now. I've invited Patty Block, who teaches women business owners who are experts in their fields how to turn up their power to price, sell, and run their businesses on their own terms. So this is going to be a fabulous episode. Welcome to the show, Patty. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. This is one of the most important conversations to have because if we, you know, sales are the lifeblood of our business and we don't have sales coming in or if we don't have our pricing set at a point where our business is profitable, essentially we've either got a business that is very stressful or we've got a hobby. So today's conversation is really about getting that business to a point where it is sustainable. And let's face it, business that's bringing in money is a lot more fun, right? It is. And that's something that I talk about. It's more joyful. And sometimes we get so frustrated with our business, we forget that it can be a source of joy. Mm-hmm. Talking my language right there. So I want to talk about pricing challenges. And you work with women. I work with a lot of women. And I definitely notice that women have more challenges around pricing than men do. And this isn't, you know, picking on people. This is just, you know, something that I've noticed that we do have a lot of problem or a lot of challenges around that. Can you tell me what you generally see with the women that you work with? Yes. And I started this company in 2006. So I've been working with women exclusively for a really long time. And I've seen patterns and issues that have come up. They've come up for me personally as a woman business owner. Yeah. And they've come up for all the women in my community and my clients. And I didn't have language around what exactly was happening until more recently. And this is really what I discovered. When I was growing up, my mom used to make these fabulous cookies. The whole house smelled good. It was warm. The cookies were gooey. And all my life, I watched my mom eat the broken cookies. (laughs) But it wasn't until I was a teenager that I even thought to ask her, why do you only eat the broken cookies? Do they taste better? 
And she laughed and said, no, I eat the broken cookies so you can have the whole ones. And not too long ago, I saw this really shocking statistic. 62% of women rely on their business for their primary income. And 88% of women business owners make less than $100,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, this image of my mom eating the broken cookies popped in my head. And I started to find that language and connect the dots between what am I seeing in all of these women-owned businesses? What it is, is that we undervalue ourselves, we underprice our services, and then we over-deliver. And we make sure that everyone around us gets the whole cookie hmm. and we live on crumbs. It's what I call the broken cookie effect. And I see it everywhere. And it is part of that is it's so ingrained in us as girls and women because our role models always made sure everyone else was taken care of and didn't take care of themselves. Hmm. And that is what we've brought into our businesses. So that is one of the biggest challenges I see because it creates an artificial glass ceiling in our business and keeps us artificially limited. Mm. I actually got goosebumps before you even finished that story, just when you said that your mum ate the broken cookies, because straight away as a mum, I went, I know exactly what's happening here. And it even happens, you know, we had people over for dinner last night and I cooked a roast chicken, a beautiful dish. And you're right. The first thing I said is, what part of the chicken does everyone eat? Because most people prefer either the white meat or the dark meat. And I asked everyone else and I put everyone's on the plate. And then I thought, okay, what's left? And that will go on my plate. So that is what we do. We generally, you know, we like to look after people. And as a general, we are very nurturing. However, and I'm really passionate about this, women need to be empowered to look after themselves and not always be the one that's looking after other people and the one that I guess financially needs to be a little bit looked after. So how did you sort of start, you know, why did you start working with women and how did you get into this pricing, you know, challenge that we have? Personal experience. Mm. So this is the second company that I've owned. The first, I operated for about eight years, and that was focused on political consulting and lobbying. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. It was fascinating, and I'd never do it again. <laughs> but I learned, I, and I'm so glad I'm not in the political arena now. Uh -huh. But what I will say is I learned so much in that process. And one of the challenges was that my revenue was tied to the election cycle here in the US. So... I had so many revenue ups and downs because it wasn't consistent through the year. Mm. And because of that, I added the lobbying, which means I was commuting. I did some federal work. I did local and I was commute to our state capital and some local in here in Houston, Texas, where I'm based. And so the lobbying evened out my revenue, but the trade-off was travel. Mm. And so you know, you have to think about is quality of life, does that, you know, earning more money and more consistently, does the, is that an equal trade-off? Mm. And so it was very challenging. And if there were resources to help me grow my business, figure out the revenue conundrum, figure out how to sell, I didn't know how to sell, that wasn't my background. Mm -hmm. So 
if there were resources, I didn't know how to find them and I didn't know who to trust. Mm. So I resolved at that point, I want to be that resource for other women business owners. And I have, I've spent years and years learning how to price for value, how to sell that's more like matchmaking so that you're not feeling like you're persuading anyone to do anything. So all of those elements have been foundational for me and the growth of my company. So I wanted to be that resource for other women business owners. And after eight years in business with my political consulting company, I had a surprise divorce and I had three little kids at home. So I realized I had to stop traveling and I needed to close my company, get a job and have health insurance because Mm -hmm. that's the only way I could have health insurance. So I went to an international school and was there almost nine years as director of development, which is primarily fundraising, and then became director of operations. So then when I left there, it was to start this company in 2006 to bring my experience in finance and operations to the small business market. Mm. And you asked why I chose to work with women. Mm -hmm. Part of it is my own personal experience and wanting to help other women. But the other is that's also where I know I make the biggest impact because I understand how women think. I have fallen into all the same traps that we all fall into. And I have spent my entire career dealing with those issues and teaching others how to triumph Mm. over those challenges. Love it. You mentioned matchmaking and that really stood out for me because I love this idea of matchmaking rather than, you know, trying to pick someone and sort of go after them. Tell us more about matchmaking and how this works, specifically in business, I guess, because we all know what matchmaking's like. You know, I guess, you know, I've matched friends up with partners, but I'd love to know what it means within pricing. Exactly. So it's really more about the selling process. But one of the things that I often say is it really doesn't matter how much you sell if you've not addressed your pricing first, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because adding clients just creates a whole new set of problems, Mm -hmm. right? You may have to add staff or processes or all kinds of issues operationally when you bring on more and more clients. Mm -hmm. So before you go in that direction, address your pricing issues first and make sure you're pricing for value and you're able to communicate with a lot of confidence why you price the way you did, what it represents, and the kinds of results that you get for your clients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the first piece. When and, and I have a program called Value Driven Pricing that teaches those basics. The selling piece, I have a program called Painless Selling to Ideal Buyers. And the premise here is that often as women, we think of sales as somehow feeling like conflict. And it really doesn't have to be that painful. So when I talk about matchmaking, it's getting very clear on what your values are, what's important to you, and who you want to work with, who is an ideal buyer. And I'll make a distinction between an ideal buyer and an ideal client, because an ideal client does not happen by accident. Mm. It really happens when you find an ideal buyer 
you have taken them on this journey to help them be ready to buy. Mm -hmm. And then you can kind of train them to be an ideal client. So who is your ideal buyer and where do you find them? And I teach that in the painless selling program. And then the matchmaking comes in as you're guiding their thinking so that they understand the value of what you're providing. And you will be very clear and confident in how you're talking about the results that you get. So you're assessing whether this is the right buyer for you, and they're assessing if you're the right provider. Mm -hmm. And through the process that I teach, by the time you get to the end of it, you pretty much already know whether or not you want to work together. And it's on both sides. It's not one-sided. It's a match made in heaven. I love it. Exactly. Let's go back to the beginning of that. And I'd love to unpack that a little bit more. So you mentioned that mindset is the first piece. Whilst a lot of people get that from a word perspective, like, yeah, I understand it's mindset. What does it really mean? What are we deep diving into exactly? Challenging your assumptions Mm -hmm. and looking at the limiting beliefs that are keeping you stuck or keeping you smaller than you'd like to be Mm -hmm. or with lower revenue than you'd like. Those are, and so I'll give you an example. When I ask women, I've done a lot of market research. And when I ask women, what is it that you believe about your pricing? Do you think, how do you come up with your pricing to begin with? Mm -hmm. And most of the time I hear things like, well, sometimes I look at competitors and I see what they're charging, Mm -hmm. or this is what I think the market can bear, or well, I started with my hourly rate and I'm really used to charging hourly. So I feel safer doing that because then I'm compensated for all my time, Mm -hmm. right? That's usually what I hear. Mm -hmm. And none of that is about the value, Mm -hmm. right? The real value that you bring. And it's based on your experience, your expertise, your systems, your processes, your team, all of the relationships you've built over your entire career, all of those things are valuable to your buyers. Mm. And especially the relationships, sometimes we don't think of our network as being valuable, but it is because you can save your clients time and money by sharing your resources with them. Mm -hmm. And it's super valuable to them because they trust you. So that's the first piece is looking at those limiting beliefs. I believe there's a price point for every buyer. And actually, we see that in retail. We In the States, we have Walmart, Macy's, and Neiman Marcus. Mm -hmm. And you can buy a blouse in all three stores. But which woman shops in which store depends on what she thinks is important Mm -hmm. and how much money she has to spend, right? So I am typically a Macy shopper. I'm kind of middle of the road. I know it's high quality goods, not too expensive, and those goods are going to last a long time, right? That's Mm -hmm. kind of, that's the value that I'm buying. Mm -hmm. If I were going to a wedding or some special event, I might shop in Neiman Marcus, but I know that I'm going to pay a premium because they're designer goods. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So So the audience is already segmented 
by what they believe is important. Mm -hmm. And that's part of your job as the business owner is to find where are your ideal buyers? What segment are you looking for? And where will you find them? Mm. And it's an important aspect because if there's a price point for every buyer, which I do believe, then your pricing can drive your sales, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Because people believe if it's low price, it's low quality. Yeah. And if it's high price, it's high quality. Mm. So if you go into a Neiman Marcus buyer and your pricing is very low, they will wonder why. Absolutely. They'll question it. And I remember a friend of mine saying years ago, there is always a market for Ferraris, but it's very difficult to sell a Ferrari in a schoolyard. And that always has stood out to me that there is always buyers, but you know, people say, are you fishing in the right pond? But are you going to where the buyers are for what you're selling? I love that. I want to move on a little bit into, you mentioned the value. Now, one person maybe, or there may be two people selling exactly the same thing, but one person values it higher than the other person's because I find value also a very ethereal thing. It's difficult to touch. You said that you value, you know, you shop at, at Macy's because it's value and But for someone else, they might think that that's too expensive for that value. And the same, there may be a Neiman Marcus shopper that goes, "Mm -mm, I'm not having that because I don't think the value, you know, I think it's too low. So how do we pull that value? How do two different people pull that value out? Because I feel like that that value may be tied up in the confidence of that person. It's a great question. The value that you believe you offer is only important from the standpoint of making sure it aligns with your buyer. Mm -hmm. So I often talk about perceived value. Mm -hmm. And the good news about perceived value is that you can build it. Mm -hmm. So let's say someone comes to you, Samantha, and they're looking for help with particular issues in their business. You and I both know that business coaches are very common. Mm -hmm. There are many, many business coaches out there. Absolutely. And so they are coming to you, I would imagine, because they heard you speak or they were referred to you. Mm -hmm. So there was some entree, right? Mm -hmm. And that's true of most of us as experts, that we have people that are either referred to us, introduced, or they hear us speak somewhere. And from that, they already perceive a value. Mm -hmm. Then it's your job to help them understand the full value, to really understand the depth that you can provide, the intuition, the perception, all of the, especially the strengths that we have as women and how you are different from any other similar provider out there. Mm -hmm. One of the most common, I work with a lot of accountants and the accounting world has really become commoditized. So people think of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. They think of it as, oh, a tax return or, mm-hmm. or they, they may give me advice on how to structure my business. Well, because of that, accountants have a really hard time differentiating themselves. And a lot of it comes back to who they are as a person, what they believe, what they care about, 
And that is part of what they need to communicate. So yes, you're right that that confidence really comes across. And that's a lot of the mindset work going back to those limiting beliefs and challenging your assumptions is that that thinking needs to shift so that you can feel confident in what you're talking about and how you talk about yourself. Mm -hmm. Because as girls and women, we are taught that if you talk about yourself, it's bragging, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So in Texas, we have a saying, it's not bragging if it's true. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about yourself, you are not bragging and doesn't mean you're arrogant, but you do have to communicate effectively for the other person, for the perceived value to go up, mm -hmm. right? And for them to understand the full scope of what you provide or how you achieve your results. Mm. So that's where I would start. It's why I always start with the limiting beliefs, mm -hmm. because again, much like you can go out and sell as much as you want. But if you haven't addressed your pricing, mm -hmm. you're still going to struggle to be profitable. It's the same thing with this concept of the limiting beliefs, because if you don't address those first, you're going to have a really hard time getting to step B, C, and D. Mm, totally, totally. So you're talking about the value and you mentioned earlier, and I see this, people come up their pricing definitely based on their hourly rate. That's something I hear all the time and it makes me shudder. You talked about people basing their pricing based on competitors, which also makes me shudder. Where do people actually start? So you challenged the assumptions, talked about our value. Now, what is that number that we're pulling out of the air? Because essentially that's what we're doing. We're just pulling a number out of the air. So one of the things I recommend is to get a really good handle on your value. Mm -hmm. And one way you can do this today is to find an accountability partner mm -hmm. who knows you well and knows your business and you know them well and know their business mm -hmm. and you write down everything that you think is valuable mm -hmm. about what they're doing for their clients and they do the same thing for you and then you exchange. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I love that. And there will be things on that list that will surprise you. Mm -hmm. So to give you an example, several years ago, I went through this exercise and what came up on my list was being calm. And my calming voice. Yeah. Now, I would never have put that on my list as something that's valuable. But the other person did. And then I started testing it. And as I did, my client said, well, of course, that's why I call you when I'm freaked out, because I know you're always going to be calm. Do you know what I love about this? <laughs> Only five minutes ago, I was like, oh, I could just listen to you all day. So it is a thing. You're de-escalating people's emotions, I'm thinking. Yeah. Right. But again, I would never have put that on my own list because I don't think about it that way. Mm -hmm. But others are telling me it's valuable. Mm -hmm. And so that is the power of that exercise because you will have things on that list that will surprise you. Then you can start testing them and you'll start to see yourself differently. Hmm. and perceive your own value differently, which means you can communicate better Ooh. when you're talking about yourself and your pricing. I love this so much. I've never heard anyone mention this before. 
This is exciting to me because it is all about communication. It's not so much about the actual price itself. It's the conversation or it's the communication you're having and being able to articulate, you know, that price and confidently explain, well, this is why. This is the benefits to you as the purchaser. I love that so much. Yes. And it's never, it's never about the money. Mm -hmm. And I say that frequently and people don't believe me until I show them, teach them how to think about this differently, how to approach it differently, and how to actually do your pricing differently. And then you're absolutely right. Communication is the, like the secret ingredient of how you can beat the broken cookie effect. Mm. Because as you understand that dynamic, as you understand, and the dynamic as a reminder is you underprice and you overdeliver, so your profit just goes poof. And when you understand that dynamic, you can take steps to beat that effect and also build your own confidence so that when you're communicating, you, first of all, feel less stress, less anxiety. You are not only confident that you're talking to the right person, the right buyer, but you're confident about what you want to share with them mm. and how you want to help them understand the value that you bring. Mm. Because when we're stressed and anxious, we're energetically pushing people away. We're not even aware that it's happening. And the buyer, or let's call them the prospects, they haven't bought yet. They don't know why. They just can't put their finger on, yeah, I, I'm not feeling this. And it is around that energy that we're putting out. And when we're able to communicate things with clarity and we have confidence about why we're the best person for the job, energetically that draws people to us because people are buying confidence and clarity. That's actually what they're buying. It's not necessarily even the thing. It's that confidence that this person's got me. I know that they've got my back. That's exactly right. And that's been my experience in working with lots and lots of women business owners. And it's been my experience watching my clients implement what I'm teaching. Hmm. I would love you to share so that we can really show this in a scenario so that people can really understand it, obviously without any names, but what is a scenario that you've had where someone came to you where they were grossly underpricing, they weren't confident about having this conversation with prospects and how did that person transform and, and what's that transformation process look like? Sure. You know, the most common scenario are women that have come out of a corporate career Maybe they've spent 20 years in a large corporation and the hourly billing model is so ingrained in everything they do. Mm -hmm. So that is a super common situation. So we'll use the name Sherry, even though that's not her real name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example. So Sherry had been with several different large accounting firms. She came to me wondering about her pricing but feeling as though if she continued to price hourly, she would be compensated for all her time. Mm -hmm. So that made her feel safe. And no matter what her hourly rate is, my objection is the same, which is you are pricing in a transactional way mm -hmm. by the hour, but the service you're providing, the solutions 
are transformational. Mm-hmm. And you're not doing tax returns. In this case, Sherry is an outsourced chief financial officer. Mm-hmm. So she's going into companies and helping them with their financial strategies and highly educated, high achieving. So the value that she's bringing is really pretty remarkable. And yet she's still pricing hourly. So it is perceived as transactional. Mm-hmm. So her buyer is likely to think, oh, you know, I can go and find someone else just like Sherry, and they're going to be less expensive. Mm -hmm. And then they start shopping on price. And you do not want buyers who shop on price because if you're pricing appropriately, you will not be the low-cost leader. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be the Walmart of your industry, right? And I don't think anybody aspires to be. No, exactly. You don't want, (laughs) right? You don't want 5,000 clients Uh uh where they're paying a small amount of money. You are better off with fewer clients who are paying you more money. Mm -hmm. And there's only one of you as a business owner. Mm -hmm. So you have to decide what your business model is. So let's go back to Sherry. So the first thing we had to work on was shifting her thinking from I'm safe with the hourly model to I'm really cheating myself with the hourly model Mm -hmm. because my buyers don't get it. They don't understand. And so what was happening is it was cascade effect because she would have the wrong people coming to her. She would think they were great buyers. She would go ahead and take on their projects. They would work together over a short period of time, and then they would leave. Mm -hmm. And so she had a lot of turnover in her clients, regardless of what she was charging, right? They didn't leave because they couldn't afford it. Hmm. They left because they didn't recognize the value that she was providing. Mm -hmm. And part of that was because she hadn't positioned it correctly. Hmm. So you can see there's a cascade effect when you have staff turnover. Sometimes you have client turnover. If you can't hire people and get them to stay, there are other issues going on. Mm -hmm. If you can't bring in clients and think of all the time and energy you put into bringing in a new client, if you can't get them to stay and continue to trust you, something underneath needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And usually that's the limiting belief. Mm. So with Sherry, it was helping to shift her thinking to a value-based model and helping her experiment So it wasn't about the dollars. In many cases, she was charging the same dollar amount, but with a different structure, Mm -hmm. right? And then we started bumping up her dollar amount because then I was teaching her how to find her ideal buyers. Mm -hmm. So all of that to say, she has now fully implemented value-driven pricing and painless selling. So she has now changed her business model because she wanted more long-term clients. Mm -hmm. So now she has shifted to a model where she has people on retainer. So they pay a monthly retainer and they are staying with her for a longer period of time. She has more time to build that trust. And the buyers, the clients now are so happy because they do have someone that they really trust for their financial strategies. Mm. In the meantime, Sherry is earning more consistently and at a higher level, and can then grow her company in the way that she wants to, which is to strategically grow her revenue. She really doesn't want to add staff. 
So, so it's a very customized approach because every business owner has different desires and different needs. And in her case, she said, I don't want to get bigger. I want more revenue. So that's the focus that we've brought. Mm. One of the things that stood out to me when you were sharing that was that by moving from a transactional, I want this thing done and I will pay you this much per hour into a longer program. And the word that stood out to me was trust because all of a sudden now we're not just doing this tit for tat conversation or um, I can't think of the word, you know, I'm going to give you money and get this thing. It's now based on trust and very much focused on the outcome and very much focused on the transformation over a long term, which, you know, brings that trust. And I think that especially in accounting, I have found that that is something that is that a lot of accountants don't understand is that trust built up over a long time. You know, as business owners, we want to know you've got my back. So I really love that. One of the other things I wanted to talk about very quickly, you mentioned corporates have that that dollar per hour amount. The other thing that I've found with people coming out of corporate, and I'd love to know if you've seen this as well, is that especially women coming out of corporate saying, you know, I've done multi-billion dollar deals, but then that's very different when they're doing multi-billion dollar deals with someone else's money and all of a sudden they're having to do the deal and essentially, I'll put this in air quotes, selling themselves. And all of a sudden they've gone from, I can do multi-billion dollar deals to, oh, I can't even ask for a couple hundred dollars. Is that something that you have found? Definitely. And it's one of the hardest shifts to make coming out of where you're an employee, out of a corporate career, mm-hmm. to being the owner of your own company. That shift is very much what you just described. You used to spend somebody else's money. Mm. Now you're spending your own money. And it's not about the money you're bringing in as much as it, as it is the money you're spending. Mm-hmm. So if you think about, because in your corporate career, while you might have had your own book of business, it's very likely that you had somebody helping you with sales, mm. with business development, with marketing. So if so, then you're used to having all these resources around you. And all of a sudden, you're by yourself in your business mm. and you're wearing all the hats. So that's one dynamic that I see very frequently. And that kind of stunned silence of, I'm really alone in this. Mm. But the other part of that is now I'm spending my own money as the business owner mm-hmm. and I want clients. So if I price too high, I'm afraid I won't get clients yeah. or I won't get the right clients or I won't, right? So there's so much fear underneath that, that it really keeps women stuck. Mm. And so I see a lot of that dynamic. I typically work with women once they've started their business, they've been in business three to five years or more. Mm -hmm. So I'm typically not working with the women who have just come out of corporate. Usually they've been in business about three years, but they're starting to recognize that they're missing opportunities Mm. and they're feeling very alone. Mm -hmm. I think those are the two biggest issues that I see when people initially come to me. Yeah, And those are very real and very problematic Mm-hmm. Because again, it creates a cascade effect yeah. and affects other things in your life. Absolutely. Our business isn't just like this one bucket 
where we can silo it away. We're holistic beings and everything in our life affects our business and our business affects everything in our life so that we have to address all of it before we can just deep dive into one bucket. I absolutely agree. Now, you have a quiz, Patty, that helps people to understand their revenue blocks. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why people would want to go through that quiz? Sure. You know, we've talked a little bit about some limiting beliefs, what I also call myths, and it's hard to know what is affecting you. And the first step in any change is awareness. So I developed the quiz to raise the awareness of what might be happening in your business that is keeping you from generating the level of revenue or sometimes the consistent revenue that you wish you had. Mm -hmm. So it's called My Revenue Roadblocks, and you can access it at myrevenueroadblocks.com. And when you complete the quiz, you'll get a report that will help you understand where you are currently, what's in your way, and what some of those other limiting beliefs are, so that you can then decide what the next steps can be. And there are you know, a lot of women really need to look at their pricing from almost as if they're starting over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because what happens is we set our price and then we want to forget it. Mm -hmm. So we set it when we start our company and then we just don't want to think about it again. And that really works against us. So understanding some of the things that may be holding you back, those roadblocks, can be very powerful. So I would recommend that you take the quiz, learn from it, and then you'll see what some of the first steps are that you can take to address those roadblocks. Mm, love it so much. Patty, thank you so much. You've delivered so much value today. And I'm hoping that everyone listening has heard all of the different value bombs that you've dropped. I'll certainly be going back and listening. I love that the perspective that you've given us today so helpful to help people to really grow their revenue and not necessarily their business. People may want to grow their business or not, but regardless of whether they want to grow their business, we still want to make sure that that revenue is increasing. So love that so much. Thank you so much for joining me. I've really had a blast chatting with you. Thank you. Same here. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.